I'm Julie, Julie Brown. I'm the, um, I'm the director of Growing Communities. We're a social enterprise based in Hackney in northeast London. In very kind of practical terms, what we do is we run a box scheme which supplies veg to about a thousand households in Hackney. We run the Stoke Newton Farmers Market, this weekly organic farmers market, and we do urban food growing on what we call a patchwork farm, small, small urban sites in Hackney and uh, a larger site that we have in Dagenham at the moment. And the other thing that we do is we run a startup program, so we work with other communities to help them set up similar projects. So this is the, the last interview in, 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 a, in a theme that we've had over the last couple of months, which has been about fairness. So my first thing I wanted to ask you is what does a fair food system look like? What are its kind of elements, its criteria? It's quite, it is quite hard to separate the concept of a fair system from a sustainable one. So I'm sort of going to muddle them together, really. Um, but uh, I think in overall terms, uh, what a fair system, what a fair food system would do, would it, um, it would pay farmers who are farming in a sustainable uh, way, it would pay them a fair price so that they could actually survive and thrive. And I think that's probably one of the most, uh, um, in, in, in big terms, that's one of the most sort of fundamental unfairnesses about the food system as it currently is, is that the farmers that are, the farmers that are attempting to do the right thing for for um, for the planet and for diets and for you know for all the other elements that we want to have fantastic food, uh, those are the ones that find it almost impossible uh, to make a living and survive in the current system. So there's some sort of really fundamental unfairness about it there. Um, so I can't. I think that's probably where I would start. A fair food system would also uh, produce food that was good for people. Um, and was affordable and accessible to everyone. Uh, it would be fair to workers. It would pay people in uh, retail outlets and agricultural workers, as well as the people running businesses, a fair price. Uh, and it would be fair to communities. So the communities would have um, a say in how things were run. They'd be connected to the farming and the food and the, the people that were producing their food. Um, and the businesses that were running in their communities wouldn't be extracting value from those communities. They'd be investing back in those communities um, and it would be it would be fair to the planet so it wouldn't be degrading soil uh, reducing biodiversity and causing climate chaos sounds good um, <laughs> and w why for you does bringing food closer to home make it fairer because uh, a big focus of your work is around that reconnecting food production to the yes, place. Yes, I think, I think there's a number of different elements to that as well. It's, um, there's, there's, the, there's the sort of the food miles type element of it, but that's only a very minor part of it, really. It's, it's uh, the fact that food that is produced closer to where it's eaten tends to be fresher and, and involve less, you know, less resource problems in terms of its transportation and production. But it's also about transparency and connection, I think that you care and you are able to relate much to things when they're, you know, you could, you know where they've come from and you know who's grown them. You know, that relationship is going to be more fair and more respectful because it's more transparent and it's clearer. So you can't, you can't guarantee that, obviously, but that's what tends to come out of that. So in terms of how, again, if I relate it to very, you know, practically how we work, we care about our farmers. We know who they are. We want them to do well. We want, we want them to, you know, to, to be able to run their businesses and carry on producing the fantastic food that they do. 
And we want to be able to provide it to the people that come to the market and who buy food through the box scheme at a fair price. So in terms of if we look at the sort of the, the elements which are linked to, you know, more directly to money, what we try to do with, through our projects, again, is we make sure we start with the price that we pay the farm. We pay them, a fa- you know, we pay them the price that they need to farm sustainably. And that, that's the thing that is currently so, you know, going in entirely the opposite direction to that at the moment in terms of the way, you know, the food system's heading now. And a lot of the issue with that is that uh, it's some of the stuff we were talking about before, I think we came on before, um, you know, we started recording, was about the sort of the paradigms, the worldview of the food system at the moment um, and the whole sort of the way that uh, it's defined through productivity. And productivity is, you know, you know maximising productivity is defined by getting maximum yield for the least amount of money and the least amount of money involves the least amount of labour and, um, and all the other external costs of the food system. So the soil degradation, the climate, you know, the climate impact, the impact on wildlife, um, none of those are costed in. Uh, so in terms of the whole way that the, 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 uh, we define what is, is I'm, I'm doing quote marks here, good about farming systems is actually works entirely against, um, I believe, producing food in a sustainable and fair way. So the way that we see it and, and, and the farmers that are attempting to work against, you know, not working in that way are being driven out of business by that world view. Um, and that, you know, that direction of travel, essentially. So what we're trying to do at Growing Communities is we're trying to reach out directly as communities to those farmers and saying, OK, look, we'll buy your food. We'll buy you, your food at a fair price. So we start with that. Then we try and work out how we're going to pay people in, you know, in Hackney, in, in the, in the, you know, in, through the box scheme in the farmer's market so that they can actually work on those projects. So we have a commitment to paying people um, the London Living Wage, and um, we have a two-to-one pay structure, so nobody's paid more than twice the London, you know, the, the lowest-paid worker in our in our organisation. And then we're looking at how we can sell the food to our customers at the most affordable price. That's the sort of equation that we're working with. That's the financial equation we're working with. But we start with that that basic fundamental principle that we we have to pay the price that's required to have food produced in a way that doesn't have all of these negative impacts and actually brings, in fact, amazingly positive impacts because through that, you know, reconnecting with the farmers and also creating enterprises locally, we can create community, which is another thing, you know, that's why that's in our name, it's a little bit of a hint. So we can, you know, we can create community, we can um, create jobs. And the, th- the third element is about that in terms of our, you know, our organisational structure, which is, again, which is what's not fair about the current food system, is that we say that we're driven by principles, not by profit. So we're a not-for-profit. We want to cover our costs. We want to make a surplus. But we want to reinvest that back in our, in our projects and in our community. So it, you know, it's about being in, in investing in community, not extracting from community. And we talked before we started about this eco-pragmatist kind of thing that's been around recently. And one of the arguments that they would say, I guess, and people like that, is, well, surely... Uh, the bigger and bigger the scale you produce food on, then actually you can then put more land just down to wild systems and you can produce food cheaper and so you have more biodiversity and cheaper food and isn't that a fairer system? Uh, no. That's <laughs> okay, the short answer. Next question. <laughs> the short answer. The long answer, I don't know, you, you said you had to go at five to four. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, there are so many, as we were talking about before, there are so many sort of one plus one equals five sort of uh, issues going on in that. I mean, again, if we, okay, if we start from, I think, if we start from the position of what is the sort of food and farming system we want or what is the food and farming system we need in order to, uh, to live, okay, go back to these framing debates again. Um, we have to, I believe, it makes sense for us to accept that there are limits. <laughs> there are biological and natural limits to what we need to be doing on the planet to live sustainably. Now, I'd argue that, okay, if you go back to that, those eco-modernists, eco um, I don't think they've quite accepted that, um, that there are limits. I totally get that we need to, have you seen Martian? <laughs> We need to, you know, we need to science the shit out of everything. I totally get that. I'm really happy to be, you know, applying science and technology to uh, and creativity to the issues, you know, of far food and farming and, in fact, of everything. But we need to do that within a, within a, within a, a, um, a framework that accepts that there are natural limits. So we, the, and there are climate limits, there are soil limits, there are water limits, there are soil limits. Um, and, you know, there are really, really, you know, there's a, people are going to argue about yields. It comes back to this yields productivity discussion again. But I think if we looked at the kind of food and farming system, we looked at, you know, through a different productivity lens, which, which looked at labor actually as a positive output of the system, not a cost, and, and actually properly costed the energy resources and the other resources that were required to go in to produce, uh, to producing food, um, then uh, the smaller scale systems would actually look look much, much, much more favourable. I'm not going to say they're going to blow the other ones out of the water, but I think in some cases they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the small, uh, you know, a small we th- we think the foundations of a you know a sustainable and fair food and farming system are small to medium scale enterprises. We're not talking about one size fits all either. We're talking about a kind of a. I mean, I, I talk about it in terms of a kind of a food subsidiarity. We're talking about an appropriate scale. You know, and, and, and multi-scaled operations across depending on what the, you know, what the food that's being produced and how, you know, and um, uh, you, whether it's, you know, mainly arable or livestock or horticulture. Although there is a real value in all of those type of systems getting more mixed. So we would support a mixed farming system. And we also, you know, we also need to look at uh, the supply side as well as, you know, what, what diets are like, you know, and what people are expecting to eat. Sorry, sorry, Rob, it's hugely complex, isn't it, in terms of livestock mm-hmm. production and how much uh, food people should be eating of what, you know, of different types. But uh, I'm going to send you my latest food zone, which I've updated, and I haven't changed the colours, I'm afraid, so it is going to make you <laughs> ill again. Um, in fact, I might have even created, you know, invented a whole new colour in there just to see if you find it. Um, and uh, it looks at the kind of farming systems we think are the basis of it. So it's essentially multi-scale but mixed farming systems, low input, pretty much organic, and, and it's utilising human skills and labour and is backed up by skills and you know, science and technology and machinery. But it's grounded in sound science, and that sound science is, sort of, is about observing and seeing what's going on in, a, you know, you know, in quite a complex system, which, which you know, farming is. But, but we've got to look at the supply side, you know, the, oh, sorry, the demand side as well, which is that we need to be eating mainly plant-based diet and mainly fresh food, you know, reducing the amount of processed food, minimizing waste. All of those things are going to produce a diet that's actually really very, you know, pretty good for you. But we need to pay farmers to, to, to farm in that way. You mentioned your food zones thing. I mean, it's, yeah. one, it's one of the things, 
you know, I sort of sometimes uh, show that in in talks, and and people find it really fascinating in terms of the degree to which you've you've kind of thought through the implications and the practicalities of London sitting in the middle of that kind of a food web. I wonder yeah. if you could just give us a sort of a a sense of where that came from and and what you think its key implications are where it's come from it's come from well it's come from you know 20 or more i, I would say 20 years and i realize i'm actually a lot older than that it's come from many many years of working in this area pulling all the different elements together into into what what is this what is essentially a vision of how we would like to see the food and farming system operating but it's also it's also totally based on the very sort of pragmatic way that we work we've talked about this before the um the percentages they're roughly based on what we managed to do through our box scheme but our box scheme is is trading uh, is trading you know just fruit and veg so in terms of the sort of the wider food system, you know, some of that's still to be proven. But actually, I'm working on a project at the moment which is going to attempt to model this and see, see what diet would be produced if we, actually, if we actually did operate like this. And the way that I'd like to do it, again, is through a very practical approach, which is to find the best example currently that's in each of the zones and then sort of, um, what is it, aggregate it or, you know, sort of multiply it up into the zone in terms of the amount of land that's in theory available, and then see how much, you know, what, of what sort of food and the quantities it would produce. I mean, hopefully we won't, you know, we won't all starve. <laughs> but, um, but then I'll have to change the percentages because that's what you do anyway. But uh, I'll fiddle around with it. Um, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's based on a sort of an intuitive kind of knowledge of all the different factors, throwing them all together into this thing. And I would eventually like to to prove it um but i think we'll prove it by doing it and we are actually doing it because when this food zones was first produced uh there were there were little you know tiny pockets of things going on and now there's masses of stuff going on um in terms of lots and lots of new people getting into farming and and uh, and actually into retailing and csa schemes and urban production and lots and lots of amazing new kind of um activity going on um which uh it would be great to be able to sort of track it and show it more clearly but also show what the impacts of it are more clearly and show that it actually is starting to create um a real alternative you know to the to the to the mainstream food system at the moment when i when i show it in talks i sometimes say you know this is it's it's uh it's like a map of of the new economy and actually if i was 18 now and i'd be looking at that i'd be thinking i want to train to become a really good market gardener i want to train to become a craft brewer or a mushroom grower or something you know it's like it's it it presents so many options and possibilities to people that's what i love about it oh well thank you i mean i did i did notice you i did i did follow you when i I noticed talk when you said that and it was really lovely hearing that actually that it was an invitation to creativity yes which is always just to, to hear some to, to hear something reflected back in, a, in through a different a different way it was it was it was really lovely but so we need to prove it now or just not, and, and we need to prove it by doing it as well I mean that's the thing is that you know growing communities approach has always been about an empirical and theoretical kind of approach there's this sort of overall vision and we just very practically just go out and create stuff that's actually going to be real um, yeah. and, 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 so, and it's like what you've been doing is a is a 
a research project with its sleeves rolled up. You know, it's not like that yeah. graph has just come out of some academic research. No. That's you've been doing it for however long. No.